0: Go ahead and grab your seat, and if you would, uh, please turn your Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. We're uh, entering in this uh, part of this series on uh, living new. Uh, Today, um, I have a particular purpose of our time and really a singular objective, and That objective is really that we would all together hear the call that made new people are called to new. That's it. Today isn't about leaving here, uh, going and doing anything specific other than us coming together, gathering together, and for us kind of corporately to hear together. Last Sunday, it was hearing made new. Uh, A person comes to Christ and is made new in Christ. And today it's not only are we made new in Christ, but the made new person is to live called new. It only makes sense. So how our time is gonna be arranged, I'm gonna take us to Colossians two and we're gonna lean into that text for a little bit and then I'm gonna take us to Mark chapter four and we're gonna let Jesus kind of speak out some of the truth out of Colossians two and and Lord willing and by your kindness, I'm gonna kind of lean into us today on this, and um, we're called to new. We're called to new. Uh, Made new people are called to live new. Are we? Do we know that? And that's literally what I'm kind of leaning in today. Uh, At the time of choosing to come to Christ, and you are made new, last week, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is a new creation, not a new alteration, not a new version, a new creation out of that. And the old has passed away, behold, the new has Come, newly created at that time when you come to Christ as your Savior. And out of that, you are moved from what was old to what is new. You have moved from separated from Christ to united to Ephesians to seated with Christ. Now, there's a radical change from separated to seated with. Uh, You go from uh, guilty uh, and exposed to forgiven and redeemed. You go from uh, uh, broken away from to joined with. It's a completely made new before God in the reality of that. What was once uh, sin standing in unholiness before a holy God now covered with the work of Christ. Thank you, God, for that. Otherwise, we're in deep, deep trouble. Before a holy God. But made new is where it begins. But made new is the beginning. It is the beginning. Made new is not the end. Because made new leads to call to new. Made new leads to call to new. I'll say it. Made new people are called to live new. That's it. I want to tell you, that's the Christian life right there. You know, sometimes we complicate things so much and we're like, and yet it's really this. Come to Christ and be made new. And after being made new, well, we're called to new. We're to walk new. And I just want to show us that out of the text. I trust you're in Colossians 2. You there? All right. Colossians 2. Um, uh, we've got it here on the screen. Let me read it. Uh, therefore, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so, so do what? Walk. Now and in him, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thankfulness. This is where it is. This is the picture of the Christian life right here in these two verses pulled all together. Let me set a little bit of background for the book of Colossians because we're jumping in here. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the human writer of this book. He's writing to a church in Colossae. It's actually not a big church. It's not a mega church. It's actually kind of a small church at this time. Paul has never actually met them in person at this point. And the Apostle Paul is writing of that. Th- think of that. Uh, I mean, getting a letter, you're just regular folk. I mean, we're from Indiana. We're regular folk, Right? I mean, we're just heart of America. You know, we, we, we are just, we just are who we are. We're regular folk. And here, like Colossae, the Apostle Paul is writing to them. And he's writing to this rather small church of people. And this letter is so personal and so kind. It's just a kind, personal letter. And yet he's never met with them. It's interesting because it's not a form letter. It's also not a missionary asking for support letter. It's also not a junk mail letter that just says, dear resident. It's not that. It's, it's in this, it's this letter that is written from him in his own handwriting. It's not a group email. It's not printed off and sent out. It's from his own hand, and he's writing it. Imagine getting this letter from the Apostle Paul, and you're like, "Whoa, we got a letter from Paul. This is really cool. Everybody, let's get together. Let's come together. And everybody gathers together, and it's like, read the letter, read the letter, and they read the letter. And I'm just imagining they get done with reading the letter, and after they read the letter, they're like, read it again, man, read it again. And so in that, uh, they start reading it again. And I want to just point you uh, to verse uh, 28 in chapter 1. We'll just get a little bit of context moving into this. He's writing this kind personal letter. He's telling them how much he cares for them, that he's uh, concerned about them, that he's fighting for them. He wants them to be encouraged. And in chapter uh, 1, verse 28, he says, him we proclaim, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone, what? Mature. That's what it's about. By the way, that's really what today is about presenting everyone mature in Christ. Maturity is a beautiful thing, and it's not maturity in anything, it's maturity in Christ. For this I toil, toil, Paul says, struggling with all his energy and he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. By the way, Paul is not giving himself a pat on the back and going, hey, I just want you to know how hard I work. You know, I put in crazy hours for you, so appreciate me. That's not what's happening here. Paul is letting these dear people, these regular folk in Colossae, that get together in this smaller local church, and he's telling them listen, I love fighting for you. I am great with putting in the time and the effort and and the work and and the toil that goes in for the gospel because I love you and I want my work just to be an encouragement to you. You are worth it. You are worth the toil. How, How encouraging would that be? to receive that in the reality of what's going on. Uh, Verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of the mystery of God, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul is fighting for their maturity. He wants God's people to grow in the Lord. And Paul's ministry struggles aren't for Paul. It's not for Paul's gain. Paul loves the church, and that's what's most in his mind. What's best for the church, what's best for the church, and he is willing to toil to do that for them. By the way, I just think it's appropriate as I'm going through this, and I'm just thinking about this place. And I'm just, I'll just, thank you. Thank you for being a people that toil, for the gospel. Small group leaders, thank you. It's a hard thing to be a small group leader. I'm just telling you, it's a hard thing. Thank you for doing that. Student ministry disciple makers, thank you. Uh, Kids ministry teachers and leaders and helpers, thank you. Boy, aren't there those weeks where you just are like doing that and you're like, is this of is this, is this really real value? Because those little boogers are just the same now as they were six months ago, right? You know, you just wonder in it all. But thank you. Thank you, door greeters and worship center bringer-inners. Thank you. Thank you, coffee makers. Thank you. Thank you, parking lot pointers. Thank you, tech servers. Thank you. Thank you, song leaders and instrumentalists. Thank you for the work you put in that no one knows about. Thank you, soul care. Come alongside us. I was just down with them. There's 21 of our soul care team down in southern Indiana. I was with them on Friday and Saturday. Lord willing, they're watching right now. Thank you. Thank you, church. Thank you for being a people that's not about you. But it's about God's people. And that is a rarity. And Paul would be thrilled. Oh, and even more important than that, the Lord's glorified. Thank you. <laughs> Together. Paul goes on, he communicates more. And it's out of this that we come up to verse six. It's out of this love for people. It's out of this love for God's church. It's not out of a love for Paul and his fame. It's out of a love for the Lord and the Lord's church and the Lord's people. It's out of that sense That he says, therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. That's it. That's the Christian life. That's it. We make things so complex sometimes, but it's really that simple and also that hard. Made new people are called to live new. We're called to walk New, rooted, built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thankfulness. You see, made new people are imperatively called to be walking in Christ people. Made new people are imperatively, that's the the, the form of the the word, the verb walk in, in this text. It's a present active imperative. That means it's presently, actively, continuously, and it's not a suggestion, it's not an ideal, it's an imperative, it's a you must. Paul is not using an aorist form that says, you know what, uh, 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 at some point in time in your life, it'd be a good idea if you, you, you walk in Christ. He's not saying at some time in the future it would be a good idea if you walk in Christ. He's making reference using this uh, as God is working through him and God is telling us that God desires that we not only are made new in Christ just as you received Christ Jesus and Lord in that way. In other words, as you come to learn the gospel, you come to be drawn to the Lord through that. As you come to drive the stake in the ground and, and make that commitment, just like that, you're to be walking in Christ. That means... We're to be leaning into the Lord, learning more of what salvation means, pouring that into our life, and working that out. And as the series comes along here in just a couple weeks, we're going to get into more of kind of those how-tos of it right now. But I just so badly want us all together to have this unified thing from last Sunday. Hey, it begins with being made new in Christ. Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, it begins there. And today, just coming off of that, it's not just coming to Christ and done. It, that's the new beginning. That's where it all starts from. And that's where it all grows from. And that's why Paul says out of this loving, caring, not this arrogant, demanding place, he says, oh, I want you to be a people who are walking presently, actively, and continuously in Christ. And I love the choice of the word walk. I'm glad it's it's not run. I'm glad it's not sprint. Because I got to tell you, I would be so discouraged by that. But I also will say this, it's not sit. It's not stand. It, 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 it's not those kinds of words. It's walk. Walk. Scripture uses this term. Listen, God does not expect you to race to maturity, but God does expect us to be walking to maturity. Made new people are called to walk new in Christ. Uh, Doug, like, what are you talking about? Okay, God, you asked. You wake up in the morning. Opportunity to walk in Christ. You mean like you're telling me, like, brushing my teeth and Eating breakfast? Yeah, because the scripture says everything that you, whatever you do, eating, drinking, do it all for the glory of the Lord. Seriously, you mean having my my shake in the morning or my cereal in the morning or my, my nothing for food in the morning is an opportunity? It sure is. Oh, and then you're with the home and, uh, you know, maybe you're by yourself preparing for your day or, or maybe you are married and have a spouse with you or maybe you have kids with you. Do you realize that that time in the morning is a time to walk in Christ in that moment that's going on there? Oh, and then getting dressed. You mean getting dressed is an opportunity to walk in Christ? <laughs> sure is and getting the keys and getting ready as I head out the door. And, and then I get in the car and, and, and I back out of, if you have a garage and you back out and you start heading out and then you come to the roundabouts and, and, and you come to the cones on Rockville Road. Hey, opportunity to presently actively imperative walk with Christ. It is, it is. And then you, you're on the bus Opportunity to walk with Christ. School begins at home, school begins at school. And it's an opportunity, kids and, and younger ones, to, to walk with Christ. And, and then you're heading into work and you're walking into the building at work. It's an opportunity to walk in Christ. And then we're at work and things are happening at work and things don't go so well at work. And then, boy, people annoy you at work. Uh, not that that ever would happen, but you know, opportunity to walk in Christ in that. And then you have trouble and you have successes, time to walk in Christ in that. Then you come to lunch and lunch, well, yeah, another time to to walk in Christ in that. And then then it's after lunch at school or at work or at home and and you go to the store, it's an opportunity to to walk in Christ and and then you you get in the car and you head back home through the cones again and the roundabouts again and it's still another opportunity to walk in Christ. Then you come home and you're thinking about what are you going to have for dinner? It's an opportunity to walk in Christ. And then you come to the evening and in time, what are you going to do with your time? And what are you going to watch? And what are you going to read? And what are you going to talk about? What are you going to do with the kids? And it's a time to walk in Christ. And then you get in bed. It's a time to walk with Christ. And it's time to fall asleep. And it's time to rest in Christ. Isn't it interesting how we take our day and we think there are God times and then there are not God times? And that is the problem. We disconnect life. And yet, every moment of the day is a walking time, not a racing time, but not a standing time, a walking time. In Christ, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. And then there are these four—I'll call them—pictures of what this walk looks like. He builds on it. The first one is rooted. It's an agricultural term. Here in Indiana, we get agricultural stuff, and I love farming. I really do. I, I it just fascinates me. And and we get rooting and that kind of thing, or like roots. You know, you, you know, roots, ro- ro- rooted, like. Roots. Roots don't grow fast. Roots actually grow quite slow. And roots grab in, and roots feed. Oh, by the way, we're to be rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ. Not in self. Not in the world. But rooted in who? Christ. Uh, built up is the next word. That's an architectural idea. From this agricultural idea of rooting to this uh, building up architectural idea. The foundation is set and now it's being constructed and constructed in Christ. Not constructed in anything, but constructed in. Christ. And then it's established, uh, in our natural version, strengthened. It carries out a, a like something that's established. Well, another word for that would be mature. Increasingly mature. By the way, those three words: rooted, built up, established, strengthened, secured, all of those take time. In uh, fact, a lifetime in the context of what we're talking about. I want for you to know if you are here this morning and you feel like, man, I just, I feel like a baby in the Lord. Welcome. Welcome. Because it's not about attaining to the finality of it. It's about pressing to it. Because the final is gonna be just like all brought together. But we're on the on-ramp right now. We're headed to that, rooted, built up, established. And then out of that, I love this fourth thing, abounding in thankfulness. It's like Tigger. <laughs> you know, of all the people in the world that should be Tigger people, it should be God's people. How is it then in history there have been some individuals who have been martyred and burned at the stake for being a follower of Christ and in their martyrdom singing. How can that be? That's maturity. That's an understanding that the circumstances, the circumstances, friends, it's not what it's about. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about if you have a bigger house than everyone else. It's not about if your job is better than everyone else. All of that stuff, that is going to be going and moving and shifting until we see the Lord. The thing that is what it's about is this rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, established in the faith, and thankfulness coming out of that. And these are not suggestions. These are not ideals. These are present, active imperatives. These are a call. We are called to this. Do you know that? Follower of Christ. See, t- today's the very uh, today's the the day that would be very easy for me. I've learned over the years, it's very easy to guilt people, and it's very easy right now to go, "Come on, what are you missing? How are you failing?" I don't want that today. I, I-, I don't want that today. I instead want us all together just to go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay." The person that is made new in Christ is to walk new. Okay, maybe you're not walking well. Maybe you are. That's not the point today. Just let's set it together as a people. Made new people are to walk new. That's what people who are passionately pursuing the radiant God look like. Made new people are pursuing and leaning into walking new. Living rooted in Christ, increasingly so. Living built up in Christ, increasingly so. Not perfect, not got it all together, but growing, further established, and abounding in thankfulness. Made new people are called to walk new. That's it. That's, that's it. I literally could finish a sermon right now, but... I want to give you an illustration that comes from Jesus to, Lord willing, further this reality. Turn to Mark chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4. And Let me enter this text just by saying maybe a a leaning in question. If one is not walking new in Christ, if one has not been walking new in Christ, the rightful question you need to be asking is, are you made new in Christ? It's kind of a bold question for me to ask and lean into today, but I think it's important to. If there has been no fruit in your walk with Christ, you have to ask the question, am I really rooted in Christ? Oh, by the way, and I'm even going to say at this part. yeah, but I remember a time when I prayed a prayer. I remember a time when I walked an aisle. I remember a time when I raised my hand. Okay, but what's the fruit? There was a baker. His name was Bob. Bob baked every day. Joe met Bob. Joe said to Bob, I'm a baker. Bob, it's not his profession to bake, but Bob thought about baking all the time. Because Bob loved baking. When he woke in the morning, he was thinking about what he could bake tonight. When he was going to work and on the school bus, he was thinking about baking because he loves to create and bake. And then he meets Joe. Joe says, hey, I'm a baker. And Bob leans in and goes, that's awesome. Tell me, what have you been baking? Oh, I haven't really baked anything for like 20 years. But 20 years ago, there was a time I really got into baking for a little bit. In fact, I even took a class on baking for a little bit. And so, you know, I'm a baker. What's Bob thinking? Answer. You're not a baker. You had a moment with baking. You're not a baker. Mark chapter 4. Jesus is teaching, he's beside the sea, he's beside the Sea of Galilee. Mark chapter four, verse one, a very large crowd, a large crowd. Okay, let's, uh, uh, it doesn't tell exactly how many, it tells a very, 12 is not a large crowd. 24, not a large crowd. I I would argue 50 is not really a large crowd. It's gotta be a couple hundred at least. Okay, so you gotta picture it, a, a large crowd. In fact, it's so large that he has to get into a boat. So I would even push, I don't even know if a couple hundred is too small. This could be 500 people that Jesus has to pull out into the Sea of Galilee so that they can all hear. You've got to picture this to understand it. Verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables. In other words, the parable we're about to read is not the only one. There's some others that we are told. Parables are stories that teach. Parables are intended to draw people. Let me say it this way. Parables are intended to draw people that are interested. And They teach. And Jesus says, listen, behold, hey, there's the word. In fact, those are two packed words. First, he starts out with listen, like per here's up, like duh, he's in a boat. They're all there to hear, but he has to say it because it's like, hey, what I'm about to say is really important. (laughs) And on top of that, behold, lean into this. Behold, Jesus says out in the boat, "A a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately... Oh, team, it's been too long. When we went through the book of Mark uh, over some years, Mark uses the word immediately a lot. And in that, when we come up to immediately, what would we say? Bam. Bam. Okay, so it's said a number of times here. So I have high expectations after that utter failure. (laughs) I'll take the blame. I did not set you up well. Here we go. Where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, since it had no root. Wait a second, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, rooted, and it had no root, and it withered away. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. By the way, those numbers are tied to fascinating facts in that day that everybody hearing it would understand. 30-fold would be a normal production, 60-fold would be like once in a lifetime, 100-fold would be uh, once in a a couple generations. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, (laughs) exclamation point, boom. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve, so there's twelve and some more who were with him, uh, asked him about the parables, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Listen, uh, this is Mark chapter 4 is probably my favorite, literally probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible of influence in my life, and I'll just say, and I don't have the time to work out, he's not saying he doesn't want people to be forgiving. He's saying that he's using parables because people who are interested and in people who want to hear lean into them, and those who really aren't interested, they won't lean in. He's using parables. Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Uh, Every so often, Jesus has these lean-in moments with his people. It's like, no, team, come on. Really? Like, it's not that complicated. And he's like, hey, lean in more. I think that's a great call for all of us, to be honest with you. And then he comes and he explains it. Okay, here's how it goes. The sower sows the word, the word, the gospel, the, souls, uh, the good news of Jesus. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Uh, this, is, this is the hard heart paths. Think about paths. Paths are an interesting thing because paths are part of the soil around them, but paths have become hard over time. They've been pushed on and trodden down. Paths don't grow things like the rest of the unpath area. It's a path. And so when the gospel is proclaimed and the gospel falls on that, boom, 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 it hits hard. It sits on top. And and, and so we're told those birds that come and eat, it's Satan. is coming like, take that away, take it away. And and they don't receive. uh, There's no receiving going on in all that. By the way, a note for paths to be able to get to a point to where they need to receive the word. They need hard tilling. I mean, they need a plow to come in and grind that and turn it over, and it hurts. If you're ministering to people who are paths, you need to pray for them. That God would, could I say it this way? That God would turn their life upside down, that they would be softened to the gospel. The path. Verse 16, then there are the ones sown on rocky ground. Uh, uh, the one who, when they hear the word immediately, re- this is interesting, receive it with joy. Well, well, that falls off of the one where it's on top, but now we're not on the path. We're on rocky ground. Picture rocky ground. It's got some dirt. It's got rocks with it. Uh, uh, it's down there. It immediately receives it. That's interesting that it's using that term with the receiving. It's like real quick, uh, but I'll say this. They're real quick in and they're real quick out. And they have no root in themselves. Again, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. As fast as they're in, they're as fast out. It's one of these things. Oh, by the way, remember this because this is going to show up later in the chapter uh, on account of the word. It's not persecution of life in general. It's account on a tribulation of persecution because of the gospel in their life. And people in that day, when they came to Jesus, they paid a price for it and they knew it. And when a person is kind of like, I'll put it in modern day terms. Oh, cool. If I come to Jesus, my life is going to be prosperous. I'm going to have checks in the mail. And it's going to be wonderful and easy and simple. Hey, friends, Jesus never gave that gospel message. And here when it's people are like, yeah, I'm in on Jesus because I want the goodies. And then when the goodies don't come, it's like, I'm out on Jesus. Because I'm not getting the goodies. Because Jesus is not like, I'm the goody man. Jesus is the redeemer who redeems people to be able to then live new lives. Verse 18. The others are the one who are sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word... But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, the person who comes to Christ, and it's like, really, I would term it this way I want Jesus and popularity and stuff, and, 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 and. It's Jesus plus. And Jesus is like, I don't play that game. In fact, my call is come to me. Come to me. All of you are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. But in that rest for your souls, understand this. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not a cush life. It's a committed life. And here is the one to where it's like, yeah, I just want all this stuff plus Jesus. Let's just top it off. And Jesus is like, I- I'm sorry, but I'm not icing, man, either. Verse 20, but those that were sown in the good soil, they are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Again, I'll just say this, those... Numbers aren't about who attains most. That's so Americanized. It's not about that. It's about the fact of producing fruit. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a hundredfold guy. I'm just not. I am just not. And most likely you aren't either. The fact, that isn't the issue. The fact is fruit should come out. I'll say it this way. The Bible knows nothing of newly made Christians in Christ where there is not fruit coming out of their lives. In fact, uh, some uh, claim the second and third soil are carnal Christianity. I- I'm just so out on that. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about at all. And if I had more time, I think I could prove it to you from the text and what's going on in that day. And Jesus isn't saying, talking about carnal Christianity. Jesus is talking about soil number one. I would say soil number one, that's not what it looks like to be in Christ for sure. Soil number two, you're not in Christ. Soil number three, you're not in Christ. You had a moment. You had a baking moment but you are not a baker. You rode the Jesus bike for a little while, but when trials came up, persecution on account of the word, or when the stuff of the world came in, it proved the fact that really you were never rooted in Christ. Jesus is looking for the fourth soil, People who are made new in Christ, come to Colossians, rooted in Christ, established in Christ, grown out of that for Christ. And I would say that Matthew 7 summarizes this as well. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, healthy trees bear good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. Oh, and then it's the very next paragraph. Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but I will say, I never knew you. This is a hard truth to take in, but I'm just going to put it on the table. Soils two and three, they are the ones who say, Lord, Lord, and yet the Lord says, I never knew you. You had a moment with Jesus, but it stopped there. Because it proves out there really was no new that was made there hey, friend, I do want to lean in on you because the Lord leans in on us. And if there has been no growth in your life for years or decades, you have to be asking the question, are you really in Christ? And by the way, I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm talking about you. And it's amazing in that over the years, I've observed where people who will fight against that and I'm just like, humble down, humble down. And just acknowledge the fact if there hasn't been fruit in your life over the years, you need to go back to last Sunday. You need to listen again. And I would challenge you that what the Lord has been showing you is that there is no fruit, there is no root. Hey, we have been called to walk in Christ, not run. We have been called to walk in Christ, not race. I'm growing and changing, sometimes slower than others, sometimes faster than others. But we're to be growing in Christ. We're called to that. In these coming weeks, we're going to lean into what that really looks like. But if we don't hear the fact of being made new leads to called new, we're going to miss it. Next Sunday, here's the hope. Made new people who are called to new, next Sunday, you are equipped to live new. God has equipped us to do this. And we're going to lean into that and then after that, we're going to get into some nuts and bolts of what it looks like to walk in Christ. So Lord, at this time, I leave it there. And, and, and as my singular objective today was just that we would hear this call and we would take it in. God, I pray for sensitive hearts. I pray not for kind of hearts who are like pushback against you leaning into, pressing us about, is there fruit? Is there fruit of salvation in our lives? Lord, um... I ask that we would be soft of that, that we would be humble about that. We'd be real about that. And Lord, maybe today it's a situation to where there's someone in this room who's like, man, there's, honestly, there's no fruit in my life. I need to drive the stake in the ground and come to Christ and bear fruit. Maybe this is a call to the person who is in Christ, and yet they are maybe in a season of a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. I would pray that this would even encourage them and call them back. Call them back to you, Father. And Lord, I pray for those who are pressing in the realities of life. God, this week, would we just have in our minds that every moment is an opportunity to walk in you. God, help us just to be thinking that. That in itself would be a growth. Oh, Lord, thank you that you are loving and kind and patient. And thank you that you're real. And you help us to be real. You are good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.